It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Balls, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here today as Tuesday was Tennessee's day at SEC Football Media Days. Tennessee was one of four schools to go on Tuesday along with Georgia, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. And overall for Tennessee, I think it was a good day. It was a busy day, which today's show will be as well. So I'm going to get right to it. But coming up here in just a moment, you will hear from head coach Jeremy Pruitt. Something very interesting he said about how year one went and his excitement level for year two. You'll hear that in segment number one. You will hear from quarterback Jarrett Garantano as well as linebackers Daryl Taylor and Daniel Batuli coming up in the second segment. Is there a culture change to talk about with Tennessee's football team? Well, I'll go ahead and give you a hint. Yes is the answer. Culture was one of the key words, I think, from the players as they met with the media on Tuesday. And then in segment number three, you'll hear from David Ubbin, who covers Tennessee for TheAthletic.com. We'll talk about the second season for Jeremy Pruitt, the team overall, and some of the conversation around the Vols. All of that right here on Locked On Vols, your team every day. Today presented by Twillery.com slash Locked On. And you can find the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcast platform, also Spotify, and the third-party apps. Locked On Vols, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So I'll get to some notes of what Jeremy Pruitt had to say. There's not really any big news But there are several notes in what Jeremy Pruitt had to say. Uh, First of all, when he had his big press conference, the big press gathering in the main room, Jeremy Pruitt went past 20 minutes with his opening comments. It was really kind of a a joke among people who were there. If it goes 15 or 16 minutes, eh, that's long, but not a big deal. If it goes past 20 minutes, it actually kind of becomes impressive. There's a 30-minute slot there. So to go past 20 minutes, well, two-thirds of that time was taken up with Jeremy Pruitt's opening comments before he got to any questions. But he did answer a good amount of questions. But it, it also seemed like maybe there was a message that Jeremy Pruitt wanted to deliver. So one of those I want you to hear right now. This is Jeremy Pruitt when he was actually visiting in the electronic room, talking to the media about how the 2018 season went. And as you know, at this point, last season did not go well, especially in the end, which he talked about. But was there something at the beginning of that first year that led to it. Uh, this will be two or three minutes from Jeremy Pruitt, but all of it I think is is fairly interesting from Tennessee's head coach. So listen to what Jeremy Pruitt had to say looking back at last year as he transitions into year two at Tennessee. You know, I go back, I'm looking at our football team. You're, you're trying to play back every game in your head, right? So one of the things that, I, you know, kind of came to me, I'm sitting here saying, you know, we, we lose probably a couple of games because – uh, mental errors and we lose a couple of games probably because we maybe didn't fight the way we needed to fight like we did at the beginning of the year well you go back well whose fault is that that's obviously my fault as a as a head football coach and you go back and look at the teams that I've been associated with or the, or the groups of men that I've coached over the years that's not been the kind of trademark of the teams that I've coached you know we've played the right way we've played smart we didn't beat ourselves. so I'm sitting there okay how does this happen you know, and I go back, and it's pretty simple. The first six months that I'm at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, I'm trying to fix everything, right? So we want to get the weight room right. We want to get the, the um, practice fields right. We want to get um, nutrition, just everything that goes into building the program for the next 
10 to 20 years, and I lost the most important thing to me, which was our players in itself. Uh, and the relationship that, that has always been a strength of mine. Um, so I talked to my wife about it, and it was pretty interesting. You know, she's always, wherever we've been, she's always tried to take a lot of credit for the success that we've had, you know, over the years. You know, so I asked her when the season was over with on Christmas, I said, you know, babe, you hadn't, you hadn't mentioned a whole lot about, you know, your contributions to this year's season. And uh, she said, well, if you had moved me to Knoxville in January instead of June, we'd have went eight and four instead of five and seven. <laughs> so, but I have learned a lot this off season and uh, it was pretty easy fix to, to fix our relationship with our players and build a relationship. And it takes time, right? Over time, you, you learn to trust people and you get to know them and know who they are. And uh, with that, you know, it's been very positive this off season. Our players are comfortable around our coaching staff. And you can see guys that maybe at one time I wondered whether or not they'd be able to help us, you know, win what we want to accomplish at Tennessee to where I see guys that are kind of growing and developing and, and uh, you know, are, are really have an opportunity to turn themselves into some fine football players. So I'm excited about this football team. Uh, I've been coaching for, um, I don't know, my math's not very good, since 1997. And I'm as excited about this football team as any I've ever been around. Um, and it's not about how many games we're going to win or anything like that. And I know that's how you're measured. It's just about being around the people and how they go to work and, and how far they've came in the last 18 months. That's what excites me about it and, and, and where we're going. So Jeremy Pruitt begins his comments looking back at last year and accepting blame for part of the issues in year one and then gets to 2019 and is talking about how excited he is about what this team can be and his players had similar comments and look this is a very optimistic time it's the start of the year it's a, a few weeks before the start of fall camp nobody's lost a game yet you talk about workouts and how everybody's in the best shape of their lives and this team is as close as any team's been so we'll ultimately see what happens on the field as these teams have to go out and prove it at some point but you also have to feel good hearing Jeremy Pruitt talk about that and I do think some of the takeaways from Tuesday for people covering media days or people around Tennessee is, you know, maybe Jeremy Pruitt does feel a little bit more comfortable. You'll get differing opinions on that of how much it matters, and David Ubbins going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But that is a pretty common answer that, yeah, Jeremy Pruitt looks like he's a little bit more comfortable, and why wouldn't he be? He did this a year ago for the first time. Now he has a full year under his belt. He's had a chance to evaluate himself, evaluate Tennessee, and as you can tell, he's looked at some things from year one and said, well, we need to do things differently. How different things will be? Well, we'll find out. But I thought Tuesday was a good sign for Tennessee, and it's always good when Jeremy Pruitt is talking about how excited he is to coach this Tennessee football team because he didn't have to say that, and he did. Now, some notes of what Jeremy Pruitt had to say, and there was a lot to comb through, so this is going to be something I can talk about for the next few days. But some things that stood out. One, Jeremy Pruitt talked about the difference in his team physically because of the work that they've been able to get done in the weight room. When he arrived a couple of years ago, Jeremy Pruitt said there were a couple of guys on the offensive line who weighed 300-plus pounds. Now there are 15 guys, according to Jeremy Pruitt. Size does matter in the SEC along the lines of scrimmage, and Tennessee appears to have more of it. Now, just putting on weight does not mean you're all of a sudden going to be a better offensive lineman. And some of the younger guys 
who come in big enough, they still have a lot to learn, like Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright and uh, Chrisok Perogane, Jackson Lampley, that freshman class. Those are guys that could be really good players, but there will be a lot to learn for those guys as well. Now the rest of the team, Daryl Taylor is another player who is an example of somebody who has benefited from the weight room. In the last 18 months, Jeremy Pruitt says Daryl Taylor has put on 20 to 25 pounds, and he was telling me that he can tell how that helps him play better. There are more things he can do on the field because of the size that he has. So there's another example of the weight room helping Tennessee's football team become a better team. Also, Jeremy Pruitt said that Kenneth George is back with the team after he was suspended during the spring because of an incident during spring break. And on the defensive side, we continue to wait on word with Aubrey Solomon, the defensive lineman who transferred from Michigan, and defensive back D'Angelo Gibbs from Georgia. Both players are hoping to be able to play right away for Tennessee. They are undergraduate transfers, so the rule is that they have to sit out, but they are applying to be able to play immediately. I do think there continues to be more optimism with Aubrey Solomon than D'Angelo Gibbs. We'll find out at some point, and I know the wait can be frustrating for Tennessee fans, but there's still at least a couple of weeks to go until the start of fall camp. We're waiting on an official uh, start date for Tennessee, but uh, they don't have a game yet. They don't have to divvy up uh, the first-team reps yet. If Aubrey Solomon's good to go, he probably starts. If not, he plays a big role in the defensive line rotation. We'll find out in time, but I get the frustration in having to wait for Tennessee fans. So there are a few notes from Jeremy Pruitt. The weight room and the the offseason work, the strength program, that got a lot of attention on tomorrow's show. I'm going to let you hear what Daniel Batuli had to say about Craig Fitzgerald and Daryl Taylor, who talked about Craig Fitzgerald, who Taylor calls a crazy guy and means that in a good way. So that's coming up on tomorrow's show. Coming up next, that talk about Tennessee culture. You will hear from quarterback Jarrett Garantano and linebackers Daryl Taylor and Daniel Batuli coming up next. Hear what Daniel Batuli had to say about the way Tennessee's defense is going to play this year. That's coming up next on Locked on Vols, your team every day. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You can also tell your smart speaker at home to play podcasts, Locked on V-O-L-S. It'll be right there for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So as I mentioned a little bit ago, part of the conversation with Tennessee on Tuesday, I think a pretty significant portion was culture. One year in, a little more than that, with Jeremy Pruitt as the head coach, the culture now seems to be more in place, certainly more than a year ago, and part of that goes back to what Jeremy Pruitt was talking about in the first segment of the show. But then you hear Tennessee's players. I want you to hear what Jared Garantano said when he joined us on Radio Row on Sports 180 on Tuesday. The question was about the last year and the culture improving for Tennessee and what that means, maybe. This is Jarrett Garantano talking about how things are different behind the scenes and how that reflects the positive culture change for Tennessee. Just when you see guys in the, in the weight room, the locker room, film room, just everybody's always there, you know, in the sense of guys just want to be in the complex. Guys want to be great. Guys are always asking, what can I get better at? Going to the coaches' offices, seeing what new things they're installing. I just feel like there's really 
a love for football that's in there and guys are really trying to get to their full potential. Yeah, Daryl Taylor stopped by a few minutes ago and he said he needed to learn how to watch film. I mean, how much is that? Not only what to do, how to do it. Yeah, I mean, for for instance, I, I mean, I have Coach Winky and I have uh, Coach Chaney there for me. So I have two guys that have done it for a long time and Coach Winky has done things that I wish that I could do and I can hope that I can do so. Having those guys there, they've really told me the way and they've told me how to progress into a quarterback that I really want to be. Tennessee quarterback Jarrett Garantano. And how much have we talked about? Jim Chaney's the new offensive coordinator, fourth OC in four years. Four quarterback coaches now in four years. And Chris Winkie is now the quarterback's coach after last year coaching the running backs. And if you think about it, he did win a Heisman Trophy. He was a national championship quarterback, played in the NFL. Why wouldn't Jarrett Garantano look at what he was able to do and say, you know what, that's what I want to do at Tennessee? So from a maturity standpoint – the way that Jared Garantano has grown, I think that you can look at what he's been able to do the last three years and say, okay, he should make a jump in year four. I talked to Jordan Rogers from the SEC Network on Tuesday, and he was talking about how he's been so high on Garantano over the last year and, and still thinks he can become an even better quarterback. You'll hear from Jordan on the show before the weekends, and I really do think that's the case. When you hear Jared Garantano talk, he is just a different guy. He has a different approach than he did his first year or two on campus at Tennessee, and that should be natural, but it still takes him focusing and working and attempting to be a better quarterback, and we'll ultimately find out what the results are because this is all talk. Let's see what the show is this upcoming fall. But what you heard from Jared Garantano I think is a positive sign that I think there's maybe more accountability behind the scenes, there's more maturity, there's more leadership, and that's a role that Jared Garantano is attempting to take on. Now another guy that Tennessee really hopes can help lead the way on the field and also off it would be Daryl Taylor. Part of the fact that he's representing Tennessee at Media Days would show that Tennessee is saying to him, okay, it's your time now as a fifth-year senior. And I asked him, compare yourself now to where you were as a true freshman you were, when you arrived at Tennessee. What's the difference? This is what Daryl Taylor said when I asked him that question on Sports 180 on Tuesday. Listen to Daryl Taylor talking about himself now compared to where he was four years ago. Oh, man, my freshman year I was so small and so dumb. <laughs> but now I'm much, I'm much bigger, much stronger, much wiser as an older player, and I feel like I'll have the opportunity to help younger guys become like me and learn from the things that they do their freshman year. What does much wiser mean? As far as the football field goes, sure. you know, just learning from the coaches, learning from older guys that, you, that played before you, and learning from guys that even played way before you, like in the 90s or in the, in, in the early 2000s and things like that. And I've become a lot, a lot more wiser than I was when I was a freshman. How much has Jeremy Pruitt and, and the defensive assistant coaches, how much have they helped you in changing your game and having a, a broader understanding of what your role is within the defense? They've helped me uh, change my game a lot. They've helped me, uh, and they help all the players. They've helped us as far as not knowing football as much as we did before they got here. They taught us the ins and outs, taught us formations of offenses and things like that and that's probably something we didn't learn as, as well in the past and we didn't understand as well but they broke it down for us and showed us how to how to break it down ourselves even how to watch film you know and I think they, they've been a, a helpful tool in our, uh, our college football careers. Tennessee linebacker Daryl Taylor that comes back to the teaching strength of Tennessee's coaching staff. Let's hear from the third Tennessee player who was at SEC Media Days on Tuesday. That's linebacker Daniel Batuli. I think a guy that needs to kind of be a quarterback of the defense. Darren Kirkland Jr. is gone. Remember, somebody needs to step up there 
at inside linebacker, and Batuli's a guy that they're going to ask to do that. So what will Tennessee's defense look like this year? This is probably the strongest quote we got from Daniel Batuli, at least in what I heard from him on Tuesday, talking about what Tennessee's defense will be this year. Listen to Daniel Batuli's answer. We're going to be a violent group this year, a really confident group going into every game, knowing what we need to do and how we need to do it. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Daniel Batuli says Tennessee is going to be a violent and confident group there on the defensive side. Tennessee fans would love to see that. Coming up over the next couple of days, you will hear more from the three Tennessee players who were there who represented Tennessee really well, I think, and uh, enjoyed talking to them when they joined us on the radio and uh, in other rooms uh, throughout Media Day on Tuesday. So look for that more over the next few days on Locked on Vols as we are getting closer to the start of football season, just a couple of weeks away from the start of fall camp. And then before we know it, August 31st will be here. Uh, the kickoff to the season, August 31st, will be six weeks from this Saturday, five weeks from Saturday. Florida will play Miami on August 24th. So, again, we are getting closer. SEC Media Days show that. Coming up in the final segment of Locked on Falls today, I'm going to talk to David Ubbin from TheAthletic.com. He covers Tennessee, his thoughts on Tennessee this week, and the conversation with Tennessee and the SEC East. That's coming up in the final segment right here on Locked on Falls. If you have any questions or comments for the show, send them to me on Twitter at Josh underscore Ward, also Facebook.com slash Josh Ward. Reach me there anytime. I'll work in a mailbag segment coming up before this week ends. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So here on Locked On Vols, the final segment, I had a chance on Tuesday to sit down with David Ubbin, who covers Tennessee for TheAthletic.com. We talked about Tennessee and part of the conversation with the Vols this week, and then also Tennessee compared to the SEC East. So my conversation with The Athletic's David Ubbin. David, this week, SEC Media Days, is there a, a storyline or a talking point, whether it's local or national, that you think comes up most often when Tennessee is the subject? I mean, I think it's the it's the big picture question that, that's been hovering over the program for a decade is, you know, when is Tennessee going to get back? How close are they? Uh, you know, what is this next year? Is this next year a tangible step that makes people more confident that Jerry Pruitt is the guy or less confident? He made some changes, good recruiting class, the talent level should be a little bit better. They should be better. But he's got to prove it. Uh, he's still pretty unproven. I think that's really, you know, the the, the, the question and the issue and the storyline. Tennessee's not going to be able to escape all season long. Could you tell in the spring, have you been able to tell this offseason, has Jeremy Pruitt changed? How much has he changed? How, how do you answer that question? I think some of that's been overstated by people. I, I think when we talked to the assistant coaches, I think it was Chris Rumpf or somebody was, was talking about, you know, he's a little bit more relaxed, he's delegating a little bit more, and people kind of ran with that. But we talked to other assistants and asked them, and they were kind of, uh, you know, he's still the same guy. So, so I think, sure, he's changed a little bit. But this idea that you're going to see a dramatically different Jeremy Pruitt, you know, I don't know that I buy that at all. I mean, if I'm a whiteboard right now, I'm still a little bit scared. So you're, you're still going to get the same guy, maybe a little bit smarter in year two, a little bit more in control, a little bit more of a better handle on the big picture. But in terms of, you know, laid back or more relaxed, 
that's easy to say in March, much more difficult to say in October. Isn't it better if I ask you after Tennessee plays a few SEC games and we see how Tennessee performs on the field and how Jeremy Pruitt handles whatever that result is? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big thing. And, and I think, too, how he handles it publicly, I, I think, will be – uh, really integral in how the fan base reacts to him because in year one it's very easy to say in a halftime interview we got to get 25 more guys in here and reboot this roster because it's not wrong it might be harsh um, you know people might be saying that's an excuse but he's not wrong the talent level was not there this year that's going to ring a little less true because he's got some of his guys in there got some young guys and, and they'll be young this year but uh you know, how does he react when, when things go wrong and, and how does he play that and how much does he talk about those kind of things will be interesting. And then in year three, I'm not sure you can say that at all, um, even though there's still some, some stragglers, I guess, from the previous, uh, uh, you know, roster. But so I think it will be interesting to see how he handles that. Um, and, and, you know, we haven't seen him be unwilling to fall on the sword if need be or, or take blame where it's deserved um, but but how he handles that publicly I think will affect how the fan base reacts to him it's not going to affect much on the field wins and losses I don't think I think this team believes in him but it is important how this fan base that didn't know him at all when he got here I mean he's being judged by this fan base I think pretty much solely on what he does in Knoxville I think they, people came in with a clean slate and so he can control that and that's important David Ubbin, the athletic.com uh, we, we know Georgia's at the top of the SEC East. Florida's the top contender. Missouri got some buzz, I think, after its appearance on Monday. But how, how do you, what do you make of the state of the SEC East, which Tennessee is trying to climb up in? I think it's for, for you know, it's, it's tough because you do have an, an elite team in Georgia. I mean, for Jerry Pruitt, the, the timing could not be worse. I mean, Butch Jones was existing in a very down SEC East that, you know, they probably should have won a couple times. And... That is not the reality that the Jerry Pruitt walked into. It's very – division titles are nice to sell as signs of progress. But Tennessee, with Georgia in the conference, is still like three years away from really having a shot, you know, unless Georgia just tanks for some reason. They're still like two or three years away at least from having any kind of shot for, for competing against Georgia over the course of an eight-game SEC season. And so it's difficult, I mean, but you got to start by getting out of the basement. And that's, you know, two years in a row sitting down there. So – it's a much tougher SEC East than it's been in quite a while. Georgia's a big reason for that. I don't think Florida's going anywhere. They're only going to get better under Dan Mullen. So Tennessee's got to hold up their end of the bargain. But, but winning titles and, and getting to Atlanta from this division is going to be harder than, than the majority of the, what the coaches that, that, that you know were previous here uh, have, have encountered. Yeah, and uh, isn't Florida its recent results, isn't that an example, maybe what you were talking about with the division titles? McIlwain won the, the East his first two years. I mean, imagine if that happened in Knoxville, what would be said about that coach? Year three, he's fired in the middle of the season. Yeah, exactly. And I think that when they're happening, nobody wants to hear, well, the East isn't very good, guys. <laughs> but then when things go bad, people look back and they kind of say, oh, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know what? The East was bad. And maybe our coaches didn't really have it. And so I think that that's the one thing that with the SEC East as it is right now, if you've done something, you've done something here. And so you know, there's there's not going to be any, I think, false steps of progress. I think we'll see how those look. And there's a, what, how many steps away is Tennessee from being where Tennessee fans want them to be? Like 40? I mean, goodness gracious, break out the Fitbit. So we'll see how that goes. David Ubbin, TheAthletic.com. What about where Missouri is? Uh, I mentioned a moment ago, you, you've written about them a little bit this offseason, including the state of the program. What do you see with Missouri now with Kelly Bryant in their quarterback? Yeah, I don't know that I buy their ceiling, but they have maybe the highest floor of just about anybody outside of the, the major powers. Um, they bring back so much talent. Obviously, adding Kelly Bryant, 
you eliminate the biggest question mark when they lost Drew Locke. They didn't really have anybody behind him that was ready or that you felt pretty good about. Now you got Kelly Bryant, a battle-tested guy. He may not be a complete game-changer, but he's a significantly above-average player who will, who will make them better. Uh, and I think, too, with the NCAA sanctions, it's amazing they didn't lose any players because they, they got a free pass, and, and we wrote about that a little bit this week at The Athletic. Um, but for them to hang on to that, I think really does speak well to the, to the state of the program as it stands. Yeah, what did you uh, think of that story, which included uh, Tennessee Tidbit from comments that uh, Barry Oda made earlier in the offseason? Several schools wanted some of their players. Tennessee maybe was one of the more aggressive teams because of the talent issue, but, but as you mentioned, nobody left. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand why people are getting mad about this. Like... It's it's that's just the game. Tennessee is needs better players. Missouri gets hit with NCAA sanctions. Guys can leave for free. Tennessee pursued them and they said no. Like, where's the foul here? It's interesting because you don't see it that often. You don't see division rivals, you know, re- recruiting players from the division. It's an interesting story. But I don't like the anger and the like. Oh, you know, Missouri is doing stuff to hold these guys back, or Tennessee is is trash for you know trying to talk these guys into leaving their 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 teammates behind. It's like. It's a business. Like, if Missouri players wanted to play in a bowl or felt like they needed to go, then they, they'd have that option, and they felt like they wanted to keep doing what they're doing at Missouri. So no no harm, no foul on that whole deal. But Tennessee, goodness, they could have used some of those guys. A, a DeMarcus Acey or a Trevor Wallace uh, Sims would have been nice for them, but uh, no dice for them. Yeah, it's not hard to figure out why Tennessee wanted to go after those players. Is part of it maybe that – this whole transfer conversation this offseason, a lot of people just don't even know what to think or say about it yet? Yeah, I think that might be part of it. Um, I think, like you mentioned, Barry Odom took it as a compliment in some ways. He said he hadn't thought much about it after, you know, he kind of popped off to, to, to Dennis Dodd over at CBS Sports. And, you know, the next day we were at meetings in Birmingham, and I haven't given another thought to it. I'm not sure I believe that, but but, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, he kept his guys together. They didn't have a senior leave. And so that's a, a compliment to Barry Odom, but... You know, I, I think when you look at, at uh, where Tennessee is, you know, they, they just need better players, and they're willing to do anything they needed to do to get them. They just missed on, on those guys at Missouri. David, last thing, um, is there anything that's with Tennessee's football team that's not getting as much atten- uh, attention that maybe interests you to find out, whether we find out this week or we find out in six weeks, whatever the case might be? I gotta say, I'm starting to kind of buy into the defensive line. You know, the Aubrey Solomon conversation, you know, you hear good things there. I, I think that, that, that if they can get him eligible, and you got him, you've got Emmett Gooden, you got a guy in Matthew Butler at a really strong spring that they kind of believe in, and then you need somebody behind them to give you a little bit more depth. Maybe that's Greg Emerson. You got your Juco transfers in there, Darrell Middleton, uh, Savion Williams coming in there. I, I kind of like the defensive line unit. I, I think there's a lot of potential there. It's a lot of new faces, it's a lot of inexperience. They got to prove themselves, but they have some real potential, and I, I think. People are looking at as though it's going to just be a weakness for this team. And I'm, I'm not sure that we're going to get to the middle of October and people are going to be talking about that still as a weakness. I think this team and this coaching staff knows how important the line of scrimmage is, and they've recruited to that. And they've got in, brought in guys that they feel like can make an immediate impact because they're going to have to. And so we'll see how that plays out on the field. But I, I think that group might, might surprise some people. David, good stuff as always. What's going on right now with the Athletic.com news this weekend? Yeah, we've added a bunch of folks uh, from the college team, the NFL team. So, you know, I'd like to say, you know, if you if you already subscribe, your your subscription just got more valuable. And if you haven't, you got a bunch more reasons to. So, you know, we added Mr. Andy Staples, who I'm sure any college football fan is aware of. And we've got coverage now of more than half the SEC. I can't even keep track of all the teams that we have dedicated coverage to in the SEC. Not to mention, you know, people around the country. I think we have 34, 35 writers on our team now. 
covering college football from coast to coast. So uh, if you like college football, The Athletic is the uh, place to be. Follow him on Twitter at David Ubbin. David, thanks. Anytime. Thanks. David Ubbin from TheAthletic.com. Good information from him there. And a fun day on Tuesday with Tennessee making the rounds. There will be plenty more to talk about and plenty more for you to hear from Jeremy Pruitt and his three players who were at SEC Media Days. I think overall a positive day for UT. They go back to Knoxville and they get ready for the start of fall camp coming up in just a few weeks. You know, on a, on a day like today, I'm sure there are just a ton of things that I miss for you here on the show to talk about. That's why I'll continue to come through and look at what I missed, what I should have talked about. But tomorrow you will hear Daniel Batuli and Daryl Taylor talk about Tennessee strength coach Craig Fitzgerald, whose presence is no doubt so important for Tennessee's football program and what they have been able to get done in the offseason and, and continue to do in the future. That will play a huge role in where Tennessee football is able to go. So that's coming up on tomorrow's show right here on Locked On Vols, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Keep spreading the word, telling your friends, family, anybody that you know might be interested in the Tennessee podcast, Locked On Vols. My name's Josh Ward. I appreciate you hanging out here today. I'll see you again here from SEC Football Media Days tomorrow. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.